Hello, vinyl lovers. I'm Antonio Staropoli. And I'm Chris Myers. And you're listening to Taste of Vinyl. From all the way downtown, we're about to put the boom in this shakalaka. Nice reference. I like I it. I wanted, yeah. That should reference who we're actually going to be interviewing today. Michael Jordan. Uh, welcome. <laughs> Welcome, listeners. We have an excellent episode for you today. With us is musician and DJ from Austin, Texas, Andrew Thaggard, better known as Boom Baptist. Glad to have you on, man. How you doing? Fantastic, because that intro was just top-notch. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you can expect here. Top-notch quality programming at Taste of Vinyl. Unbelievable. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, we try, man. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know if you've heard the show before. First question we ask is analog or digital? Analog. Because period. Period period with a T. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's my shitty dog, Mr. Prince. Mr. Prince is saying hello to the whole world, oh. and he'll be he'll be edited out of this. Hi, oh, Poppy. Yeah. Some, some random guy went the in whole, my backyard. The whole world includes yeah. like three people that are listening to the show. For I'm real. kidding. <laughs> J- joke. Um, analog. Um, I have a nice little collection of older synthesizers and Ooh. a few turntables and a lot of records, and um, I wouldn't trade them for the world. I have performed with Moogs and Prophet Fives and just great sense that detune in hot weather and cold weather and you're on stage yeah. and you have to, oh, no. you have to bring them back. And, uh, that, <laughs> there's just nothing better than that. You know, to Pros me, nobody cons. sings, nobody sings perfectly. You know what I mean? Like no one right. gets on the mic and hits the perfect note. And I just think sure. to expect that out of the art or media that you're consuming is, um, is really letting the robots win. So yes, yeah, very. Yes. That's a that's that's awesome, man. That's a very interesting take. Uh, don't let the robots win, people. This show <laughs> is this is a a show about analog on a digital format. Uh, so you know, right? We're we're shitting on the format, but we're using it. Exactly. <laughs> we have no fucking choice, uh, unfortunately. Um, and I'm glad that you said Moog because uh, when you said you had like synthesizers, I almost called it a Moog. Um, I was going to oh, ask man. you. Interchangeable, man. Oh, no shame. Oh. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. I think I think Moog is like the snob, the snob uh, oh, pronunciation, and Moog I like is. That. Yeah. I will be using yes. it. That's how I'll be saying it. Yes. Yeah. Well, we love, potato, we love elitists. We love <laughs> yeah, elitists. Elitism, let's let's just like I mean vinyl shit. Uh, you know, now oh. that I'm in that world selling records, boy, have I been introduced to your your people. And I and I will say and I will say you people because uh, man, the emails I have to respond to lately are just unreal. Uh, listen, really? man, I I have yes! ranted. Let Let me just say, you can tell us about all about the emails. But let me just say, I have made one or two or maybe even three or four rants on this podcast yeah. about elitists. I'll make it one Cannot more. fucking stand them. Of course, this particular <laughs> you know, format does attract these people, um, sure. unfortunately. But it is what it is, man. You know, I, I, I still love it. I still love the format. I, I love everything about it. 
Um, and every chance I get, I will absolutely make fun of and make any elitist feel like a complete asshole. Any it's chance unavoidable to be an elitist about the things that you care about the most. That's it just true. looks shitty for the people who don't care about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's hard. Like if I start talking about synthesizers and someone is like, Yeah, I have a Casio, I'll I will really insult them. And, yeah. and I'm a, and I'm a, I know I'm a good person. I know I have a decent heart. But I have grown I have put enough time into studying these machines and learning them that like I'm just not going to stand for that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, look, man, I mean, I will shit all over elitists, but I I will say that, you know, we all <laughs> we can all have a little bit of that in us, uh yeah. especially when you you made a really good point when you really care about something. Yeah. You're going to you're going to know you're probably just going to know a little bit more about it and maybe that comes off as elitist. When you're talking to somebody who really totally. doesn't know much about that particular topic. Yeah. So, so no, that's a very good point. But I think that there's a line. You know what Definitely. I mean? There's always See, a line. <laughs> here's where I draw it. The scene in High Fidelity um, where, he, where he's behind the... Uh, you know, the counter and the, I don't know if they buy like a Beatles record, but like you know, <laughs> oh. one of the super well-known records. Jack Black I, throws the, the record. Yes. And, and they're the like, tape. To know where the, where the Beatles records are. And he just like insults the hell out of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get the sale, like the person leaves the store yeah. and like, that's probably, that's probably when it's gone too far. It's so yeah. basic. Like, he's just like, get the fuck out of my store. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can you show so me? Oh, yeah, like, can you show me where the Beatles' greatest hits album is? Get the fuck out. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> definitely. I think that's a good place. That's a good place to draw the line, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's a that's a fantastic movie too. Have you guys it seen is. the the TV show? The reboot. Yes, I haven't. The reboot. Zoe Kravitz. Oh my god. To, yeah. Zoe Kravitz is fantastic she's really she good is. that show yeah. is so they did they really did the movie justice i never read the book but i know that they they definitely did the movie justice it's fantastic and then obviously Watch zoe's it. zoe's mom is one of his yes. love interests originally so it's a whole you know oh. there's a there's this it's so it's it's awesome man the tie in there with with her and her mom i love it yeah it's great so um, we went way off track uh, right from the right from the jump. So that's fun. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna that's just what makes it so, so everyone good. knows, and I'm, it's gonna be a three hour episode. <laughs> so Andrew, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what do you do outside of music? I mean, we know that you you know you're a, a DJ and a musician, mm -hmm. and you love your synthesizers and and everything. And you know, we just want to know like. What other hobbies you might have and be an elitist in? And how did you how did you actually get involved with music? So so those two, I want to hear oh. about music and what you do outside. Yeah. Um I got involved in music at a really early age. My mother was a concert pianist. Um, she's a Venezuelan lady who just had an innate, incredible ability to to play, but she didn't pursue music, but she imparted that onto me really early. Wow. Um I grew up in Florida and Miami and um, just listening to a lot of radio. I, I knew that hip hop would be something I would do from like the age of like nine years old. Oh, wow. um, 
white, awesome. white kid, white kid in Catholic school, but like <laughs> tried to imitate, you know, Biggie and, you know, wore all the gear, oversized gear. Like I had no place doing <laughs> that. And, um, connected with a lot of people in, in that world, uh, musicians and DJs are like really, really young. Like it didn't make any sense that I was taking to that culture so early. And it was like one track mind stuff. Like my folks would like come into my room and I was doing homework, but like beatboxing, you know, at, like at 10 years old. And they were just like, didn't know what to do with it. It's like, what are we going to do? Send like this preppy white kid to like a rap camp or something like I, I was just it just didn't they didn't make any sense you know they they gave me traditional um you know piano lessons and, and schooling like that but it's it's hard like hip-hop is like a, a kind of like a self-taught thing or you learn from your peers and and so I just learned by imitating yeah but yeah I've always been been into music and uh was in choir really young um learned to play jazz I played percussion and and woodwinds and jazz just always had had a love for for performing i think wow, so that you, you play a lot of instruments then man you, yeah yeah all man, over uh, the place. for sure i've always had different projects that aren't hip-hop based and when i'm not creative because my professional life has sort of like expanded past artistic stuff i'm like super fucking depressed you know like mm. even in my cre- even in my professional life like i have to find methods to scratch that itch so like if I'm not producing, I have to find ways to constantly be creating something. So like much like y'all are doing the podcast, like that's a creative outlet for y'all. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, for sure. So whether yeah, whether it's video or audio, like I'm always putting energy into that regardless. So but yeah, my interest, man, like same sort of thing. At that age, I wanted to be Michael Jordan. Like <laughs> yeah, at yeah. seven years old, like everybody else, I wanted to be Jordan. I had the shoes and the jerseys and, and that's how I got to hip hop is like all of the early basketball, um, what do you call them? Like video mixes. I'm not sure if y'all are yeah, familiar, yeah. like there used to be, and there still are on YouTube. People do them all the time, but they're highlights, right? So you'll do sure. uh, little segments of only dunks, five minutes of only dunks and five minutes wow. of only three pointers and five minutes of bloopers where like people are falling or whatever. (laughs) And so in the nineties, in the nineties, these, these VHSs came out and the soundtracks were all early hip hop, you know, and it was all mixed together and it had this bravado. And like, I was so encapsulated by basketball really early on that I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is clearly these two are at an intersection, like basketball and hip hop, which has always been a thing, right? Like street basketball and hip hop and like, you know, and so, so unfortunately, my first influences were basketball rappers. So, like Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, yeah, what, buddy. What's up, single, <laughs> yes, one of the single worst rappers of all time. <laughs> my introduction to hip hop. We live really close to Vanilla Ice in Miami Beach. Oh wow! Um, so I idolized him. Yeah, this yeah. I'm just airing. I'm just getting my hip hop card pulled. I'm, it's going to get revoked the moment this goes live. That my oh, no. card is going to get pulled. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I think, I think, like any anything, you start with like the most accessible shit, and then from sure. there you kind of go deeper. Of course, right? of course, yeah, absolutely. Man. That's how you, you know, you're exposed to things. It's in the mainstream, and then you're like, "Ooh, what's totally. this?" You know, you start yeah. digging a little deeper, and yeah. you know, you start finding some stuff that you're like, "Oh, wow, I kind of like this," and it's a little off the beaten path. 
Yeah. Um, but then you just though. you realize there's oh absolutely there's yeah, so much you, out so there. You started with whatever you know soft rock, and then you ended with Norwegian death metal. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, now, and, now, and now we're here with the sacrificial goat moment. That's right. Like, yes. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't intend to get here, but I just yeah, went right. deeper and deeper. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> exactly down we're, the rabbit hole. We're here to find out how <laughs> how all those uh, lines connect and how you went from loving a uh, wham to killing a goat. Oh man! <laughs> I tisk it, I task it, I rip down the basket. Yo, Shaq, can you rock the mic? How can you ask it? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, that's oh. the only thing he rapped about was slam dunking. Yeah. But it's so good. That's so good, man. Oh, look where he is now, man. I mean, he he's, totally. he does commercial for everything. Yeah, he's, for he's diversified. That's he for owns sure. he owns the general. He owns Papa John's. Yeah. It's amazing, <laughs> like, and he and he has and he has no shame dropping the lines about each company like in <laughs> conversation and in interviews it's wild he's a walking <laughs> ad man yeah <laughs> it's true though it's true uh wait isn't he a flat earther tell me no, he's a Kyrie Irving Kyrie Irving but I no I would oh, imagine yeah. Shaq might be yeah yeah Kyrie Irving's a flat earther I thought I heard that but yeah what okay. he said he said he said he did it to start a dialogue Oh, Which like oh. I don't know sounds like a cop out mm, to me because definitely, he getting, <laughs> definitely yeah. sounds like he's backpedaling. <laughs> I mean, he like, had like wow. this dude, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> this dude had like a Duke education, seems really sharp, but who knows? You know, like we we yeah. all have family members who yeah. like like when I said the ridiculous. Earth was flat, I didn't actually mean I the Earth that. is flat. Like I, I meant, I meant it was like round, <laughs> yeah. flat, like, kind, yeah. rotund. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, cool, man. So, how did uh, tell us about the genesis of Boom Baptist? Where did that name come from? Like, how was it inspired? Boom Bap is a style of hip hop production where the drums oh. are predominant in the production. It's like very big sounding drums with kick, snare, kicky, kick, snare, boom, pap. Yeah, boom, boom, that. Ah, That's what boom, that okay. means. And so a, a lot of interviews will be like, they'll think it's a religious reference. And then sure. like, they'll have a bunch of religious material for me. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, fam, well, like, this is not going to go well for you. Well, um, that just killed <laughs> all of our material. I yeah, mean, we've I know, got nothing left now. I know. Like, <laughs> not, I literally, started. I don't have one religious question. Yeah. Not one. <laughs> Just That's so great. you know, so was, yeah. no, not, boom, not boom, our first we, thought. We didn't make boom, that mistake. Boom Methodist, <laughs> boom atheist, boom whatever. Call me whatever, but yeah, there's no. I'm not uh, slanging that on anybody. But gotcha. yeah, Boom Baptist is just a play on words. Cool. Um, that's the style that I learned to make. DJ Premier is, is definitely like a, a huge influence of mine, and that's his one of his claim to fame of being like a, a boom bap innovator. So like the golden era of hip hop really speaks true to me because that, yeah. that's what I grew up in the nineties and um, hip hop has evolved a lot, but I try and just keep a little bit of that with what I do. I hear you, Boom man. I love it. That's awesome. Boom bap. I like that as a drummer myself, quote unquote drummer myself. I, I like yeah, this. The boom bap. I, I like this, yes. uh, the concept and clearly when, <laughs> so when we asked you that question, the look in your face, it looked like if you could come through the screen, 
and smack me in the face, you would. <laughs> like, you don't know what boom bap is, no! you uncultured swan. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm just fucking with you, man. <laughs> but no, uh, but know, no, I am uncultured swine, so it makes no, sense. No, I think I think yeah. that I think that that is that term is niche enough that like I have to yeah. explain it uh, to most people. You know, fairly uh, often, like, yeah. Probably the demographic that understands that is thirty-five-year-old hip-hop fans, like really okay. avid hip-hop gotcha. fans from the golden era. They know. Gotcha. Otherwise, gotcha. it's like yeah, it's pretty niche. I was told by one of my heroes to change my name. Oh, what what, yes. what hero can we? Is that no no I I won't I won't because you won't divulge. Oh, okay. No be, no because we were working on a deal for a record and oh. he was like yeah 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 I love the record but like calling yourself Boom Baptist is like calling yourself podcast legend like or <laughs> you know oh. or class or classical like, wizard or like like rock sure and roll best. yeah you, exactly. Like- you're yeah. like the best in this in the show. Right. You're did like he, the guy. Yeah. So, but wait. Like, so, did he give you a uh, suggestion? No, hell no. He just said this name sucks. Get rid of it. Yeah. But or, offered no the don't solution. Meet your heroes thing is like so true. God, don't meet your heroes thing is so true. Oh, my heroes, all of yeah. them. Yes. Oh man. Terrible people. Oh no. Front to back. Oh shit. Well, you've heard it here first. Don't meet. This is Boom why Baptist I came on the podcast was to yeah, just let them all know they're horrible. <laughs> if, if you are a fan of Boom Baptist, do not unsubscribe. Meet this <laughs> <laughs> um, so so we we know what you like, but how do you like? Tell us about your creative process. Like what? Um, I mean, I, I'm the type of guy I. I'm kind of a gearhead. I, I, I like to know about software. I'm like, ooh, I got Studio One. Like, I'm going to download plugins now. So, like, <laughs> like, can you tell me, like, like what your composition process is like? How do you make beats? Yeah, I work in a program called Ableton. Oh, um, okay. That is, I'd say the main benefit of it is just kind of like a looping approach. Gotcha. Much like gotcha. you do with the guitar where you set your loop and – it's just a stream of consciousness writing approach. Sure. Um, instead of a vertical timeline where you're looking from the beginning to the end, you're looking from yeah. top to bottom and it's small oh. little clips, mini ideas. Um, cool. And so it's kind of like a jam, like you'll set a drum loop and then you'll, you just keep laying up, layering over it. And that's why I use Ableton specifically, but yeah, my process, I write a lot of funk music recently. I've been working with a group called the vapor caves and that's been, until Boom Shakalaka a year and a half ago, um, I had been focusing on funk production, which is predominantly like dance oriented, a lot of synthesizers, a lot of live instrumentation. So with that, you know, I'd figure out a chord progression, um, usually send that idea to a vocalist who I live with. Um, she would bounce it back to me and we would kind of build from there. And that process of collaborating is really incredible to me because i've been a solo artist my whole life um nice the solo the solo uh version is i close this door that you see behind me because i live (laughs) with the vocalist of the vapor caves uh i usually like eat snacks stare at youtube videos listen to samples for a really long time stare at a blank screen don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do yeah um and then like slowly the inspiration comes i think that 
working on your own, like you have to be like a powerhouse to just be productive on your own. You don't have yeah. like any, you don't have checks and balances, you know, like there's nobody who's like, Oh yeah. When you, you know what I mean? Like, sure, and, and sure. I totally, I appreciate that. You know, like I'm okay sure. with the version of producing boom Baptist because yeah, exactly. And like the solo version is like, I just don't have anyone to bounce it off of. The other version is great because like she'll shit on the idea if it, if it's terrible. Um, <laughs> so so I'm, I'm giving like, you the, what the, the fuck real are version, you doing yeah. here, man? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like it's not yeah. as hard as you think it is. Um, yeah. So, Hip, with hip hop, it's like a lot of it is sample based. So like I go and try and find something that's not going to get me sued. And, uh, <laughs> and I try and take parts of it that, that aren't as recognizable. And then I reinterpret and then the instruments fit around that. So it's really a, cool. It's a pastiche. It's a collage, you know, I like that. That's very that's cool, really man. Good. Yeah. And you've had, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've had your music licensed for like movies, right? Yes, so it was actually the Vapor Caves. That other project ended up on a Comedy Central show called Broad City. Um, oh, yeah, Broad City! Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's a yeah. great show. I love Broad City. Yeah, they're City. amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. I think it's over now, but that while it was yeah. on, it was incredible. Um, okay, so it wasn't a movie. It wasn't. A, it was a TV show then. Oh, I mean, we'll talk about the movie placement. Oh, you the got movie it. placement oh, is called. Damn. This one is for the ladies. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, 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 and I'll let wait, y'all guess. No, I'd like to. I'd like for y'all to tell me what you think that is about. This what, one's for the that? ladies. It's called "This One Is for the Ladies." What do you think that movie's about? Oh, um, this one's for the ladies. It's probably some. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go what's ahead. it called? Male toxicity. Like, <laughs> like, just this one's for the ladies, uh, like Johnny Bravo type asshole. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, that's like pretty trying good. to trying to you know pick up as many chicks as he can. All right. <laughs> or or it's about a lounge singer. Right. Either I one. See, yeah, like Michael Bublé. Yeah, I mean, I could see Michael Bublé. Oh, Michael Bublé, like a like a Vegas guy. Um, I'm yeah. thinking like Frank Sinatra. This one's for the ladies. It's yeah. about uh, it's about male strippers. Okay, figured Literally it was something sexy. sexual there. Yeah. Literally, mm. my my one movie placement is a male. Stripper. <laughs> 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 you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? So I I am okay with the le- level or lack thereof of success that I've had in the music industry, but I like everyone else try and explain the value of it to people who are outside of it right sure Name, namely my parents and <laughs> you know the first the first explanation was i had a video on youtube that had hundreds of thousands of views and so i said hey i have this video there's hundreds of thousands of people who've seen it and so the first question is well what does that mean financially nothing at the at that time because i wasn't doing ad stuff right okay right so then i so then i get the first uh broad city placement and that one was a masturbation scene, and it's a, it's the oh, opening. It's the opening to the episode, and she's like getting her vibrator, and it's like the sexy beat. And but it was a huge deal for me. Like I hadn't had I hadn't sync done sync, and that was just giant for me. And so I sent them the video. Oh <laughs> no! And, and you know it's the, like 
they ride the line, right, of what's appropriate for TV, whatever uh-huh. the rating is. And so they're like, wow, like you're doing porno now. And like, no, this is comedy. But like they're talking about something like inappropriate. <laughs> right. And like, wow, like we thought that your music would be in a more classy arena. Okay, fine. So then finally the movie <laughs> comes around. <laughs> You're and a disappointment, Andrew. Yeah, it's just nonstop. It's <laughs> oh, just all about the sex and the porno. Yeah. And like, here's the thing is like, I do instrumental music. Like I'd never, like, it's not like my lyrics are saying like sex, sex, and more sex. Right. Like it's just beats, you know? Sure, it's yeah. Just total coincidence. And um, I find that humorous. So I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I love that. That's a that's a great story, dude. That is a great story. So so what everyone wants to know then is, uh, can you describe the scene that your music is playing to in this one's for the ladies? Oh, I don't. I I I never. never, I'm so ashamed to say this. I I never never saw it. Oh, that's okay too. (laughs) Why wouldn't you watch it? <laughs> it's like Matt, like I, I went so it, maybe your, your music your, next your music will be in Magic Mike three then after yeah Magic I mean soon. that would be incredible but I probably wouldn't go to the watch party you know what I mean um, I get that I get that that's yeah, so good I, man I don't know that I, one was goes, maybe, yeah maybe I'll go to like a B movie store and see if they have any like DVD copies or something you never know yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. But that kind of brings me to the next question here, right? Like, what is the pinnacle of success for you? Like, where would you want, since you do instrumental music, like, where would you see yourself saying, okay, now I've arrived. This is it. My music made it here. Um, this, yeah, that's a tough question because the gauge of success is so wide. Like, is, is success making money? Is success writing mm-hmm something that's like beyond what you thought you were capable of i Mm, think that's a good point i think that like validation to me is obviously people responding positively and like finances are fine but like as a solo artist you're not bouncing stuff off of people like i said before like you are writing it in your house hopefully sharing it with a best friend or a collaborator or another musician who you trust, but it's not like you get immediate validation. Boom shakalaka. The the majority of that was written over the span of like a half decade. And I didn't get to find out whether it was good until 2019 where like there's literally a track on there from 2011, you know, like I had no idea if that would be received well. And like, I think that to me is seeing the entire project sort of like, um, and this is a different question, but it's connected, finding a framework for a project and seeing people uh, absorb it that way. Like, like the concept album is really important to me in the way that I create stuff. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of artists use that as a, especially instrumental is like so vital because we can't speak. Like we don't, try and speak for that matter or we don't right right we don't sing and so to me that's success is like creating a framework for your message and having it be actually embraced that's like when i really feel it and it's happened with this recent record as well like people fully bought into it into the concept of it so i think that's my non-sellout answer <laughs> and the sellout, the sell, the sellout answer, very diplomatic of you this, no well i mean the sellout answer which is like this is the argument with my girlfriend every christmas that i bring up like when we've run out of things to talk about with my parents i say would you perform at 
Trump's inauguration? Huh. And if so, what would it cost? Right? <laughs> her her answer is a definitive fuck no. <laughs> I'm and with mine her is a, on that one. Yeah, yeah. And mine is let's a hear your sellout answer. Fifteen to eighteen thousand. Um, that's it this is very low yeah my price i can here's another thing i came on the podcast to give everybody my price eighteen thousand dollars and i will do almost anything anything (laughs) almost anything all right there's there's caveats there i love it (laughs) almost anything asterisk i don't know that might not be my number but you know i i think that selling out is like so frowned upon um but I'm really just ready to do it at any point. So like send me offers if you hear this. Thank you. Yes. I, dude, you know, it's, it's, it's like you're, and you're kind of, you're half kidding, but like also us being musicians, like we, we get it. We, we understand that there's this kind of like thin line that you got to like, kind of like ride and you got to kind of mm-hmm. be like, Oh no, but like I'm an artist and like, you know, yeah. but like at the same time, it's like, mm, if, I had the opportunity, you know, maybe I would listen to whatever a record producer that's being paid by a record label that just mm-hmm. signed us is saying, you know what I mean? And and maybe I can just kind of shelve my integrity as an artist for just a moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, if I were Trent Reznor, that's, a, that's a not possible. That just right. doesn't happen. <laughs> There's no way. But there are very few. My point, though, there is that there are very few people in any art, I believe, that are those Trent Resners, that are those people who can mm-hmm. say, go fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. And then they put out the downward spiral and everyone's like, oh, my God, I just oh came my in my pants. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for real. Right. It's hard It's so, hard to be that anomaly in the music industry. And, like, yeah. I think that me not changing my name for a certain record, like, kind of tells you where I'm at. But I think, yeah, like, if, if, if the opportunity arose again, I'd be like – Okay, tell me what the fucking name is because I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Uh, Your candor is uh, appreciated. We appreciate honesty. So back to like your actual DJ career, like you DJ in like clubs too, correct? Yeah. So I my my introduction to like hip hop and electronic music was buying a starter kit. Uh, It's called the Gemini Starter Kit. You and I bought it from Upstairs Records, which is a record store in New York. And it's the cheapest two set of turntables you could buy. It's the cheapest mixer you could buy and the cheapest needle. And it's basically the beginning to a DJ career. And I, I'm trying to remember <laughs> what I paid. It may have been for something, but, it, you know, allowance. And I split it with two other homies. And then we would drive, um, you know, to our favorite record store and split the records three ways. It was this weird, like, shared thing. <laughs> Really early on, like again, like way wow. too young to to be trying to be a vinyl DJ, but like you know, that was what we cared about. And um, I started DJing. I'm gonna say at 12, wow. um, with the hope of being like a really technical scratch, like competitive scratch oh, DJ. Sick. And yeah, and like there's like so many levels to that. Like, wait, wait, can I just interrupt you for a second? Are you proficient in scratching? No. No, I was. Okay. I was. As oh, a okay. Child, at one point. <laughs> as a child, I was really good. But, you know. <laughs> that's so cool, man. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's okay. 
Um, so there's like so many levels to like the competitive DJ thing. You can beat juggle, which is when you have two of the same beat and you go back and forth and you change the, the, how the beat is delivered by manipulating both sides with your hands. Mm. You can scratch, you can, you can remix tracks by having an instrumental and then finding an acapella from another track and blending those together. Uh. And, and yeah, I think I just started you know, studying instrumentals that way. Like that, my first access to instrumental hip hop was buying records. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great, man. And, you know, speaking of vinyl, let's get into your collection. I'm curious because you said, what are they called? Maxi? Maxi singles. Yeah. Maxi singles. And they did them in CD version too. Do you, Um, do you still have those in your collection? Yeah. Yeah. I have a bunch of them. I'm never going to give those up. Um, that's sick. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's that's like, you know how it is in your collection. You kind of like go down memory lane. And, you know, sure. I, I think like I haven't hit the skids financially enough to like start selling my record collection off. <laughs> yeah. But like I've seen homies have to do it. And like it's a it's a tragedy because you'll never get either the emotional value or the financial value like if you sell a lot like a lo- literal lot of your records like say you yeah. sell 2000 of your records sold as a lot on ebay you're selling it at a crazy discount you know sure, like, of course and i think with vinyl it's just another one of those things man like i i understand like the resale game and i understand like all of these weird ways of commodifying reselling records or selling rare used records like i understand that but like if you love your records don't fucking sell that shit, man. Like, I don't understand what y'all are doing, you know, like, unless you're financing a house or, like, really <laughs> dealing with, like, some family tragedy. Like, don't yeah, sell your yeah. shit. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Why I get that? so, I get pissed about it because, like, I've sold, I've sold, like, a little handful of records. And, like, when I think back on ever finding those again, it's like, God, I was a schmuck. The, the resale game for new records, I understand. Like, it's just supply and demand. And, like, that's, yeah. like, uh, when I was trying, like, a billion different hustles, trying to supplement the music stuff, sure. I got into weird shoe culture, which, like, oh, isn't yeah, necessarily yeah. <laughs> my, my neighbors, But oh, it works oh, the same way. are into that, man. Oh, it my works God. exactly the same way as this record yeah. shit, which is, like, yeah. they're, they're in limited supply. And if you can get your hands on them and resell them, like, you're going to, make a killing and yeah. so more so I, with 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 sneakers for sure that's so interesting because that reminds me this past record store day on mm-hmm. i think it was september mm-hmm. there was some new shoe that was coming out the same day that they were having <laughs> the the rsd drop and yeah. it was so funny because there was uh, you know if you've ever done for the listeners if you've ever done a record store day you know like this year was a little weird but still similar you stand in a long line, right? Like waiting for, like, you know, waiting to get into the store so that you can buy your stuff. Mm-hmm. There were two lines and one was for records and there's a shoe store next door. And some people were waiting in line for like the, I don't, it was like, a, I don't know if it was LeBron James shoes or what, but it was like a green clover, like specific, yeah. like but Jordans. They were definitely Jordans, I think. But, the lines were getting tangled and people didn't know if they were there for records or shoot. You're like, are you in line for shoes or it's the same <laughs> damn thing. It's the crazy. the, the it's way crazy. people have, yeah. The way people have monetized both of those, like it, yeah. it reminds me of, and 
so I watch a lot of, so I'm new to the label and pressing game and, you know, like relatively new and I've fallen in love with the process of making records, physical records, but I do see certain labels who will restrict uh, an, a certain amount of purchases. Quantity. Like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And and I think that that's a way so that they can make sure yeah. that you know the true fans get it. There were a couple with comfort food where I saw uh-huh. like six orders or six uh, six of them purchased, which I was like, okay, well that's that's not personal, but yeah, it's it's a business, and like I'm not at the point where like I have to satiate like my di- diehard fans. It's like <laughs> I need hey. to fucking make money, and so like yeah. right, right. It, it, it's a, I see how it could be a problem, and like I appreciate that someone thinks my shit is valuable enough to fucking to resell it, it like that yeah. and, and resell yeah. it or whatever. But you know that it is it is a problem. I think when like you can't afford to press enough. I agree. If I had the choice, I would say it, everyone should just pay a fair price for a record. And that's that, you know, whatever it is, 20, 30, 30 bucks, 40 bucks. And it should all go to the artist. Um, sure. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but when I've spent $300 on a record, um, I, maybe I got a little ooh. bitter about it. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> yeah. Don't buy the Daft Punk record. I'm telling you, it's going to be on shelves uh, everywhere. They're going to re-release it in like yeah, yeah, a month. Sure. Well, so I couldn't so believe yeah. the price g- gouging ooh. on that immediately. It's, it's insane. So I mean, there's definitely artists like that where you're right. Like they're definitely going to re-release shit. But then there are artists out there that throughout the years have just not re-released anything ever. Yeah. They're just like, this is fucking it. And yeah, that's yeah. fucking that. And so like the people, people know, like if you don't get your hands on this shit now, mm-hmm. you're going to pay a lot more for it later. It's and that's like, that, it's it's hard as a label and an artist to decide whether that's what you want to do. You know, this right. last record, this last record, and I know we're jumping all around, but Comfort Food was a collaboration with two other artists. And... Um, uh-huh. I took the brunt of like figuring a lot of the logistical stuff out and getting the records pressed and all of that. And one of the artists, actually both of them were like, we would really like for this l- record to like live in, you know, in a space and time. Like we don't want to just like churn it out over and over and over. And that was a decision right. that was like difficult to make because to me it's like, okay, well I'm, I'm functioning as a label on this project. Like, we're moving units. So like, we know it's proven, we know there's demand for it, but they were on the other side of it where they're like, no, let's let this like be something that people regret not buying, you know? Interesting. And I think there's, there's so much to be said. It's like the same thing is like, what is your version of success is success? Like having people really need your record or is success like selling a certain number of units, you know, like interesting. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to figure out, especially once you're trying to, like run it as a business. So that's been a learning experience this year for sure. It's very interesting hearing it from, from that perspective, you know, um, being someone who, you know, purchases vinyl and pays a premium for vinyl and resells vinyl. If I were to, you know, if this situation, if comfort foods were not a collaboration, you think that you might actually re-release in the well, future. I got I got a slap on the wrist with Boom Shakalaka because it was it was supposed to be limited and I did a repress and you uh, know I I mean even within the scope of repressing it it was still considered limited because I would say under 500 it, you could safely say that's a limited pressing. 
Um, sure. So gotcha. my total, I think I capped at 500 after two wow. represses. Um, but people got pissed. And this is where I get into the conversation about like, you know, vinyl. A lot of people who buy vinyl are very particular about how they want it delivered, which I respect. And like having it be obviously in good condition. Sure. Right. You know, if it's used, then it's a whole other conversation. But, you know, the way it's delivered, uh, having it be limited. And then in, there were situations, I know I'm coming at it from the totally opposite angle as you, my man, but there were situations <laughs> where people were upset that they had purchased bulk, you know, four or five, thinking they were going to make a killing. And then the sure. repress and then- came and, and they would cancel. Right. And. Uh, and it's kind of like, okay, well, you're a shithead in the first place. Like, sorry for disappointing you and not feeding your, your machine. But like, at the end of the day, like, it's also a machine for me. That's you know? true. So, that's true. So it's, yeah. it's really difficult. It's a difficult, like, very fine line to balance. And then not only that, yeah. like, you're trying to create art. You're not like, the last thing you're thinking about is all of the logistical shit. So then like, when right. you have to shift into that gear, it's like, oh, now I'm just an asshole. <laughs> but that's you know it's like there are things that you don't think about you're experiencing things you're going through uh you know situations that like who who would have expected that like you know you would have to think of the logistics of you know oh shit i just you know reissued boom shakalaka and now people are canceling because you know they that's crazy Like that's just like things that you don't even realize would be a thing. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I would like to, I would like to figure out the healthy version of that, you know, like healthy. Yes. There's gotta be no, no, where it helped where like I could move some records, but not have it be like a bait and switch situation. You know, like I'm not trying to, I'm never trying to trick people into buying anything they don't want. Um, But I, but I do want to make it special. And like with comfort food, we did the the donuts thing. Like it's obviously like each donut is a different flavor. Um, Yeah. You know, this one, which just came in, I'm forgetting which one you got, but. I got the cotton candy version. This one was the maple. Oh, dude, that's nice. Yeah. I can't, I can't actually see you. Oh, really? really? Yeah. The whole time I, I, thought you had your camera off no oh, shit. that's weird i can see him came back on yeah oh, oh you can see weird. him I, yeah i can see him I, I i thought you could see him the whole time no that's a that's, that's a dope. beautiful uh that's a beautiful looking record Thank son you, of man. a bitch here let me turn it off and turn it back on did that work? there you are all right <laughs> here's a here's that pressing that's not a, that's nice that is yeah, beautiful. Man. that is and fucking I like the, so that's the maple one. That's the maple, and then Dude, the cotton candy is delayed as per the Czech Republic motherfuckers. That's all right. <laughs> Sorry, I, bro. It's coming. I can wait. I can wait. Because <laughs> I'm gonna say, what was the the first one? Was the the chocolate one? Plain chocolate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Plain chocolate. Chocolate glaze. But I think you yes. know that way. When we started getting to that, it was like, okay, there's a concept for the colors. People can embrace it. It doesn't feel I love, like. The, yeah. Can you, I love the <laughs> donut vibe. Yeah, it's just so don't, don't say that loud, yeah. bro. They're gonna hear you. Oh, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, I always get hate from. I always say if, if we get sued, if we get sued, it means we did well enough. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're right. You guys won't get sued. someone. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it all on. Fantastic! Fantastic! 
I got lawyers <laughs> lined up. Um, <laughs> please don't sue me. Uh, but can you can you give us like an idea of the concept of comfort food? Because it's really cool with the whole donut thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have that theme and yeah. um, you have the maple, the cotton candy, the chocolate. Give us an idea about the concept to those Happily. who are not familiar. Comfort Food is a three-artist compilation. The artists are Boom Baptist, myself, um, Juicy the Emissary, who's a great artist from Denton, Texas, which is close to Dallas, and then Eloquent, who's a fantastic producer from Canada, from Toronto. Um, The three of us have known each other for nearly a decade. Um, Same sort of like internet relationship that a lot of people have, but we appreciate each other. And we all idolize this one artist who goes by the name of Jay Dilla, who passed away um, almost 10 years ago now. And he was a producer from Detroit who who did a lot of incredible work for really well-known artists like Tribe Called Quest and Common and Erica Badu. And and he was a behind-the-scenes guy, but he's really respected among beat makers. Um, And he had a critically acclaimed record called Donuts. Um, It was written on his deathbed and it is really, really deep. And it was really the beginning of um, instrumental hip hop. It was, it was one of the pioneering records for what I do. Um, DJ shadow introducing is another like really respected instrumental hip hop record. Donuts is right there. Even with introducing, if not surpasses it. Um, Wow. So we, we all sort of carry that influence and inspiration um, and all, I want to say it's 11 tracks, are tributes to Jay Dilla. Wow, that's um, beautiful, man. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we, we, those tracks are fucking old. You know, like the, the ones from the two other dudes I had heard in 2012 um, because they slid me the tracks and I would put them in DJ sets and support them. And I was between records and I texted them both and I said, hey, you know, Dilla's birthday and, and uh, the day that he passed is in February this year, coming up next year. Uh, what do y'all think about just like putting together those old tracks? Um, and they were like, yeah, I mean, we're walking a fine line. You know, tribute albums are difficult and there's kind of a stigma with with doing tribute stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So we didn't want to take his name. We didn't want to, you know, try and like plaster it everywhere. We wanted to do sure. something classy that was a nod. And so, you know, we've... We've got something familiar, which is obviously the view from the top of a box of donuts. Yeah, sure. And we called it comfort food instead of obviously the what it would be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And then yeah, the course. back, you know, you have your your individual flavors, oh, that's right? So good. Each each flavor is next to the track name and corresponding, and um, you know the concept and. I'll reveal this to you, but in the rollout, the concept was that we were opening brick and mortars. Um, so ah. when this is when this is all done, if you have extra time and are staring at a wall, um, go look on Instagram or Facebook and see some of the rollout that led to, to comfort food. It's essentially us duping the entire world that we were shifting our career into like entrepreneurs. And so that's really neat. So like everything is green screen and it's green screen at at a press conference and it's green screen at the actual like plant that we make the fucking dough for the donuts. (laughs) And it's like talking about how we had to leave music behind because like the pandemic screwed us (laughs) over and there's no place for music. And everyone is like, and everyone is like, 
oh my god, like congrats on your new venture. And we're just like <laughs> laughing <laughs> asses off the whole time. Um, so, but you know, the the way the marketing was is like you were essentially investing into the business. So like the comfort food investment package came with a couple of different things because you're right. getting in on the ground floor, right? So there's a letter and it's has like the letterhead from comfort food and it's written to you as if it's, it's from a business. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, we loved the, the way that we promoted it. it was so fun and different, you know, it gets monotonous when you start doing promotion and business. Cause like you kind of lose a little of the love and the art that you made. And, uh, and so I just said like, okay, like we're doing this ourselves. Like let's fucking go crazy and like just troll the world. And that's it what was, we did. That's a beautiful troll. I love that. <laughs> it's pretty That's genius. So good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's a tribute album and it's also a fuck you album. I love that. <laughs> that is so good. Well, well, because it would, it would be so easy to say like, here's the Rolling Stones and like, I'm Mick Jagger. And what would Mick Jagger do? He'd like open his mouth wide open and dance across the state. Like, okay, cool. Fuck. Like you already right. are playing the songs, you know, like, like just try and find an avenue to make it unique. And like, they're not direct covers. They just have elements of everything gotcha. that he did. And um, people who were, were closely associated with Villa um, appreciated like the tact that's that fair. we had with how we did it. And that's, that's number one to me is hearing that like, they didn't think we were co-opting. Right. They, like, they recognized like the fact that, you know? that it was a tribute and that this man was influential to you guys. And it was it was meant to be something to show appreciation. Yeah. It's a beautiful is, thing. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. That's great. So, uh, everyone, can we still purchase the record? Um, I, I have, <laughs> I have a couple of the green pressing, uh, that were mo mostly meant uh -huh. for distribution. So they're getting sent to fat beats, but I have a handful on my bank. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where could, where could those be purchased? Umbaptist.bandcamp.com. All right, or guys. So you heard it here first. We just talked a whole <laughs> bunch about this record and how amazing it is. Go to boombaptist.bandcamp. Get yourselves. Dot com. Yeah. www.com. <laughs> and get yourselves a copy. And the other website again was fatbeats.com. Fatbeats.com. And I'm assuming that's a ph. No. no, I don't think so. What? It's just regular F. <laughs> no, nope, it's just regular F. Okay, wait. I guess no, hit, we do. Hit, him, along with hit the him one time with the, with the hip-hop spelling. Uh, uh, F-A-T yeah. beats. F-A-T, so fat yeah. beats. Just think comfort food. Just think fat. fat. There you go. That's right. That was Perfect. another thing that, so in the press conference, you know, it's, it's my girlfriend asking me these questions from behind a microphone. You don't see her and and she addresses, I, I really want y'all to watch it. She addresses, uh, you know, the health issues with, with gluten and with sugar and all, and diabetes and all of that. And, and the press conference totally goes off the handle. Like I throw a donut at her and like knock the stand <laughs> over. And, um, no, so, this is no. good. Oh yeah, God. I weird. definitely am going to be watching that today. That's Same so here. awesome. So, I mean, you know, you guys, it sounds like you, you did this and it was all, it all happened during COVID, like during mm -hmm. this whole pandemic. And it seems like there was never really an intention to tour this record. Is that something that may happen in the future? Probably not. Um, okay. I think that we all, 
it's like what I was saying. I think we all want this to just be a really special, like, uh, it's tied to his birthday, right? It's tied to February. That makes um, sense. Yeah. So when next February comes around, like, who knows, maybe a pressing will happen. Maybe like we'll play some streams or some shit like that. But I think that, um, it's something we don't want to overdo. We really want to like respect it and, and not over commodify another person's, you know, career. Um, sure. Right. So I, I think that we all have so much stuff cooking individually that like we'll probably move on to our next projects. And I, I only say that because like I really, really want to move on from this record. <laughs> yeah. Like it's okay. it's like it's been all consuming. Like my this is my studio. You can't see most of it, but on top of the turntables are two eighty count boxes of records. On top of that synthesizer over there is like a bunch of mailings like the whole like there's Holy no crap. creative space left because I'm like <laughs> running a label out of my recording studio. So <laughs> right. I, I think like making clearing room and making space to make new music is like number one. Sure. Um, and like, I don't, I still don't know where I'm at on vaccines, not because I'm anti-vaxxer, but because I'd love to see people who really need it get it first. And sure. obviously, um, you know, I'm, I'm not immunocompromised at all. So I can, you can wait on for a little while, but yeah. while that's happening, I think like touring is just like the last thing. The last you know, thing. It, you... Yeah. We've done yeah. a couple socially distanced shows, the vapor caves, the funk group. Um, okay. but it's just tough, man. It's really difficult. Like they sanitize the mic and then like you put like a bag over the gear and it's like, everyone is like Whoa. buying tape. You have to buy tables instead of it being standing room only. So like it make it gives this weird division and then it's like, about privilege because like certain people can't afford buying a full table and the sure. price is higher and the capacity is lower. Wow. So like live shows have changed so dramatically. Yeah. Um, like I could really do without it, you know, until, until we like are fully safe again, you know, and that's just, that's just the reality of the situation. Respect. Yeah, definitely. Can you tell us a little bit about, any of the tours that you've done previously, uh, before COVID, pre-COVID, um, with the Vapor um, Caves, have you guys done yeah, any? We, yeah, we we had we had one last year right before COVID. Um, did all of the Southwest and Southeast. Um, really, our first tour, and and uh, we learned a lot, sold a lot of records, <laughs> had some terrible shows. Um, Tell us about those. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, I would say the biggest drama from that, which no secret, it's my girlfriend and our drummer that it's our little trio. And okay. um, we had a crazy wreck. There was a piece of like Ooh. a giant piece of iron that came off of an 18 wheeler. No, um, it fell right in the middle of the road. There was no, it was five o'clock traffic. There's no way of weaving around it. And it went, it hit under her car and it pulled the it was a prius and it pulled the entire bottom out oh um, my that, gosh yeah that was on the final stretch of the tour like we had like 11 hours to drive back to texas holy shit so like our entire everything we made went to that repair you know which is like so oh. bittersweet yeah yeah yeah. Oh, man. that was it was it was a heartbreak for sure <laughs> oh, and so you know we we also had like some incredible opportunities like we got put up in like five star hotels for a couple shows, like really amazing, like just lucky, lucky situation. So like it about it's karma. So it it out, out. The karma. Yeah, right, right, all right. Well, you know what I mean. 
I like your positive attitude. <laughs> You're looking for the silver lining, and that's all that matters. That's that's great. Because yeah, um, I know if it were me in that situation, I'm just such a negative fucking douchebag. No, I'd I mean the moment it happened. Yeah. Well, course, yeah, when it happened, I'm sure you guys were really upset, but I'd still be talking about it like that fucking tour. We lost yeah. all the money because the fucking Oh no, bro. <laughs> I I went investigative. I was trying to find the the eighteen wheeler, so I was calling yeah. every Hell police yeah. station because the the iron had a, a barcode on it, and so I was like, okay, maybe you can trace the barcode back to sure. the you would think. You know what I mean? Because because yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, it's like two twenty five hundred dollar repair, and like oh, we God. shouldn't be liable for that. You know what of I mean? Course. It's just like no. random debris in the middle of a road. Yeah, right, yeah. man. So, so that was the last one. And that, But I've had some amazing solo tours. I did Tokyo, really incredible learning wow, experience. Tell I think us that, a, that Can you tell us about the toilets in, in Japan? <laughs> um, just don't press the high setting. If you press the high setting, it becomes more like, <laughs> is this pleasure? <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, no. So the last episode, we had some uh, we had some guys on who toured in China and Japan, and uh, yeah. well, I think they were speaking mostly about China, uh, but they they were saying that uh, some of the places that they had to go to the bathroom, it was literally just a hole in the ground. And you too, oh, Chris, you you I you did. had that experience. Yeah. And I think what you're Very referring fun. to is in Japan, I've heard about this where they have bidets and just like create like crazy stuff. There's just no toilet paper. You can literally just right. go and like there's just you can work it and it's this whole system. You don't need to work anything actually. You just press a button. <laughs> you just press a button. <laughs> Yeah. The button, the button is the water, the dryer. Oh. It's everything. It's all in one. But the, yeah. but there's a really there's a pulsating option, and that's where it gets, oh, where it's where it's, where it's pulsating water. And if you press the high version, it's like okay, this is more. Than <laughs> yeah. Oh god. You're you're getting your prostate <laughs> massaged at that point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm healthy. I know that. Um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's amazing yeah man but but no i've gotten to tour and and um i miss it for sure but like it's a great opportunity to write and learn how to run a record label and press records cool that's fantastic man thanks for ta- for talking to us about uh your touring and 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 uh the experiences you've had because that's that's really cool stuff and you mentioned this earlier about new material so you know, you definitely want to start working on stuff. Is anything in the works right now? Any upcoming albums that uh, our listeners should keep an eye out for? I have a new record with the Vapor Caves called Dreams that just uh, went up the pre-order. That is a modern funk record. Um, you had to put it put a genre to it. That one I'm really proud of. Um, Sweet. To- totally different from Boom Baptist. It's like definitely dance influenced with a lot of instruments. Um, we featured a great guitarist who's nationally renowned, um, Jackie Venson. And she's like the shredder of all shredders of the new crop of guitars. So we're like super honored to have her. Um, that came out. That's a maxi single, like what I was explaining. So it's a yes. main version, instrumental, acapella. So we've started to have some remixes roll in where people are doing really cool stuff with with their remixes and the turntables. So oh, wow. that's been really cool. This label that I, I started running for this last record is called Cream Dream Records. Um, mm-hmm. That's a totally new experience for me. And it's been like really, really rewarding to learn that side of, of music. 
um, in the business. That has a lot slated in the next year. I, I think I'm just like starting to get the rhythm of, of how to do physical releases. So it's been really exciting. It's a fucking crazy gamble every time you decide to press vinyl. Like, sure. sure. You have no idea. You don't um, know. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. My shit, even my shit isn't proven. It's just like I find methods to promote it that make it interesting to people, you know? But like, we're primarily like minimum press, new artists. Um, how do you find the uh, the artists? Best friends, you know, uh, pe- people okay. who who have been you know friends with over the internet for years, who like maybe have a little fan base, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna recoup on that. Let's fucking do it, you know. Like I, cool. I, I believe in people's art, and if I see that they, a big part of it for a label head is like, are they gonna try and also sell the record? Like, are they gonna find a way to like make people want to buy the record? And right. the people who we work with, like that's that's a part of it. Is like you have to believe in yourself to not just expect the label to do everything. You know, it's, it goes both ways. Sure. So I think that that's that's part of it as we're getting started. So that's been a big focus. I'm thinking I probably need a bigger space for that because it's <laughs> it's just it's uncomfortable. And like we share this recording studio, my girlfriend and I. So she that's like a you know how like you have a passive aggressive issue with the roommate, like the dishes. Yeah. So the recording studio. Listen, right now, I, I'm. Right. I, it's taking everything in me not to talk about what happens right here with my fiance that I totally. Love so so right. So imagine if you shared a recording studio <laughs> and you just put all your shit on top of the gear, you know, like oh, or like yeah. your pod, oh, or right. your pod, I can only imagine if your podcast setup was just covered with like <laughs> women's stuff. So, so you, so more space, more, more space spaces, for sure. Yeah, and then, and then, yeah, boom, Baptist, I'm trying to come up with the craziest fucking rollout idea for my next record. And I, I can't get anybody to tell me it's good. So we'll see if it happens. Oh man. Well, well you're telling us off the record <laughs> when we stop. Sure. Please. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Under the head. Yeah. <laughs> So thank you, thank you so much for answering all our questions, Andrew. Okay. That really was fantastic. We really appreciate it. And guys, go check out Boom Shakalaka and Comfort Food. You can still buy Comfort Food in vinyl form. So get your hands on one of those. Clearly, it's limited. So don't be a, don't be an idiot. Do it. <laughs> so again, Mr. Baptist, Andrew, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, you will not be joining us for On the Platter, and it uh, weighs heavy on our hearts, but that that's okay. Uh, <laughs> no worries, man. We thank you for your time. If you have any plugs or any last words for our listeners, now's the time. Yes, I do. Everybody be really nice to one another. This is the fucking hardest time in our lifetime. Just be kind. It's really, really easy to be kind to one another. We know that life is really difficult. So just be patient. Have a nice heart for everyone else and you'll be fine. We'll go make it through this bullshit together. That's what I got to say. Love it. That's I love that, man. Thank you. All right, homies. That is beautiful, really. <laughs> Thank you again for, you for so joining us. And so that brings us to On the Platter. Oh, God, it's so good. Mmm, so good and tasty. 
today we're talking about Blurry Face by 21 Pilots, which was released uh, back in May of 2015. So this is like one of those records that like I don't think I would have ever really listened to or got into. Um, you know, everybody loved Stressed Out. It was on sure. the radio 24-7, right. seven, eight days a week. You know, yep. you yep. couldn't get away from that song. And it, it actually got annoying at one point. And, I, you know, it was, like I said, it was like one of those records I didn't really think I was going to listen to it. I didn't think I was going to be into it. And uh, lo and behold, you know, I gave it a chance. And holy shit, man. It, it was one of those albums that just blew me away. These guys had such a way of combining so many different sounds into one cohesive sound. Yeah, it's incredible. For sure. It really is like, you know, and then taking all of those different sounds and still keeping it rooted, kind of like that punk roots right. uh, kind of thing. And, and like you said, making it cohesive and very fluent. Like every song sounds different, but sounds kind of the same at the same time. I don't know right. how to yeah. describe no. it. Right, yeah. So every every song has its own distinct sound, yet it somehow works as an album. It works as like a compilation of those different sounds. Right. And you know, I guess like they're not the first to just be like, let's mix different genres. Sure. But their take on it um, seems fresh. It seemed fresh at uh, at the time. Definitely. They had already had what? I mean, they at least already had a one or two albums before. There was Vessel and uh-huh. there was I think there was one before that. Maybe it was just a self-titled even. This particular album is kind of like this is their most popular album, to oh, say yeah. the least. Oh, to for say the sure. least. And like well, this is definitely the one that kind of catapulted them to for start. Sure. For sure. You know, especially because of, you know, stressed out. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that there was like one point where uh the singer was like, yeah, that song is played the fuck out. Like, you guys played it out. Like, you need to stop. <laughs> right. Even he was sick of it, you know what I mean? Like, he's I, just got to let it go, guys. And that's another thing. Like, you know, when you have something played so often and then you're told to go on tour and, you know, play it for 100 shows. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're gonna get sick of it. And, like, you know, every artist has a song that was probably, like, it was like a their hit song. I bet you you ask any of those artists like if they had to pick a song, which one they hated, it'd probably be like the one that's <laughs> just completely the, played out. The hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's definitely there has to be like uh some kind of feeling of like fuck, I hate this fucking song. But I also think that there's probably, you know, there's probably just as many artists out there that recognize like no, nah, this is the song that was my bread and butter. This is what got me to where I needed to go sure. you know, to be able to do this for the rest of my life and make money and support myself. And so there's maybe a, a different level of respect for, for that song. So there's definitely, I think, two sides to that coin. Absolutely. And you can certainly feel both ways. You can you can be like, oh man, that song. But you can appreciate and respect that that is like that is what the fans love, and like you know, you're not going to begrudge them and like you know, not play it just because you're like, oh, I hate this song. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, <laughs> they, I, I'm pretty sure that they're <laughs> yeah, playing stressed out anyway. at shows. Well, they have you know. to. <laughs> yeah. 
So songs <laughs> like that are usually end up being closers and stuff like that, which sure. you know, that's 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 cool, you know. Um, right. everybody's waiting for that that one song, you know, and everybody goes of fucking course. nuts. Not my favorite song on the album. No, uh, mine, mine either. It, it, it's a good song. I don't it is. hate it, even though it was, you know, played the fuck out for I don't know how long. But I think for me, it might be Ride. I think Ride might oh, be cool. my favorite, even though, you know, that, and that's a that's another one of their singles, I believe. They had a music video for it, which I think is such a fucking cool music video. It's a dope video, yeah. Oh, my God. When I saw it, I was like, those motherfuckers. Yeah. They really did it on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think uh if I were to pick one, it would it would probably be Ride. But but honestly, this is definitely one of those records and I talk about stuff like this a lot where, you know, it's one of those records that I can listen to from front to back, go all the way through without skipping any tracks. Yes. And it's just, you know, it's a, a very well-written record it definitely is it's it's insane and uh I'll, I'll say i'll say one of my facts now and it's probably ones that everyone knows about already so i found it extremely interesting and if i read this correctly that not only was the album itself like you know certified riaa like what double or triple platinum or something like that wow every single song on that album is at least certified gold no shit and I think it's the first album to ever have like every that, song, every song certified, meaning that like, you know, so every, at least every song on there has at least been bought as a single song, at least 500,000 times on Dude, top of the album insane. being bought multiple, you know, multi-million times. That's pretty fucking impressive. Isn't that insane? The vinyl is pretty fucking cool. It is really like, cool. Like, I don't know what yours looks like, but like um, mine has the holes and then it's got the insert. Like there's like sep- right. separate inserts that yes, make up the front of the jacket, right? The the colors and just the illustration, the design yes. and stuff. It's it's just like several layers of you know stuff that come together. Yes, um, I I think I have I think I have the same one. It's not. It's just on regular like black vinyl, but it has those inserts and stuff. I'm pretty sure, or at least I think that those inserts are supposed to like represent like a different part of blurry face i'm not 100 percent oh, sure I'm... about that but so going through yes it's it's a stellar album um i'd have to say like so funny thing like i'd say the judge is probably my favorite song okay i love the whole album but that uh, that song just is like it i was like stand out it's stand out it's it's a little different and uh, i'll also say that the first time i heard heavy dirty soul i thought it was a wall nation just so, uh, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. I was like, A Wall Nation, this is really good. And I was like, oh shit, it's Twenty One Pilots. <laughs> so there's Fantastic. just a fun little fact on my end. That's great. Do you have any other facts? Um, yeah, just uh, just a few. The album itself incorporates a lot of the insecurities that Joe and Josh are going through and experience on have experienced on the road and in their daily lives and want every song to kind of be a different feeling uh, and get a different like emotion out of each song and um was it lane boy i believe is yeah lane boy is the one where it kind of breaks the fourth wall in a way where he just comes uh mm. Or he right. just comes out and just says like what he wants to say. Yeah. It just made for a great album. And the last one is that basically the band had only discovered reggae 
when they went to Amsterdam. So that was only only like a year or two before the album released and they both got hooked and they wanted to incorporate that into the uh, Blurry Face album as well. It's just so interesting, like, you know, if they had never gone to Amsterdam, how different this sound like, yeah. Right, like how different it would be. Like, it's just insane. And it just, I think that added such a lot of flavor I'm sure the right. songs would be would be still decent, but not right. not like not like how they are now. So yeah, because the reggae element is definitely one that they incorporated, you know, into the sound. That it goes to what we were talking about before. All of those different influences, all those different genres, just meshing together, and reggae is absolutely one of them. And it's done in a tasteful way. It's done in a way that it just makes sense, yes. even with all those other elements um, right. mixed in there. And that's what I was going to say. Like It's done so well for a couple of guys who really only just had just, just gotten started and, dis- yeah. Yeah, and just discovered it. So it's like, there's definitely parts where I'm just like, you feel like they had been doing reggae for like years. Forever. Yeah, They just do the rapping and like the, I don't know, just... The, they just do it so well, and it works. I, I mean, I just feel like th- those guys kind of give you the sense that they're extremely musical people. Yes, and it just kind of ma- flows. Yeah, for being you know st- you know so young, they just they come off as definitely being able to take anything that's ins- inspirational to them or anything that they have uh, as an influence. And being able to incorporate it and incorporate it well, like they're masters of their craft at such a young age. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And was that the last uh, fact? Uh, yeah. Sweet, man. Well, thank you for, thanks for the facts. Sure. And uh, yeah, we just, we want to again, thank Boom Baptist for, for coming on the show. He was awesome. You guys should definitely check out his stuff. Uh, again, it's Boom Shakalaka and Comfort Food. Uh, those two records came out fairly recently, within the last two years, I think. Both of them came out. Um, so get yourselves uh, some copies of, of the vinyl. And uh, yeah, we hope you enjoy it. And thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Taste of Vinyl and on Twitter at Taste Vinyl. And remember, you can never own too much vinyl. Later, guys. Later, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.